0: This podcast is offered to you by Zen Center North Shore on the web at www.zencenternorthshore.org. This program is made possible by donations from listeners
1: like you. Good morning. Boy, am I feeling beginner's mind this morning in this room.
0: And it's not just the people who are brand new here today. Thank you so much for being here for the first time. Welcome. And thank you very much for being here for the first time, those of you who think you've been here for maybe months or years. A good question to ask is, what is my practice? I felt like Obama just then. <laughs> what is my practice? <laughs> what is
1: your practice? Especially if you've been sitting for a while. What is your practice right now? What is your practice of being Dōan? What is the practice of being Kokio? really? Is it about doing a job? Is it about busyness? What is your practice? We have a couple people missing together
0: they're, today, they're key people and it's unusual that they're both gone at the same time. What is the opportunity? What is your practice with no eno? I hope you take it up with gusto, I hope you felt it and I hope you plow it into your practice going forward, that you get to see where you've been taking refuge and where you've been hanging out which is which this is a practice place welcome to this practice place I have a question Grace and Madison if you don't want <laughs> so it was very beautiful to, for me to experience coming out into the lobby I heard you come in I was expecting you I was like hmm, I wonder if she'll make it She's coming from New Hampshire, from high school in New Hampshire. I know what it's like to get into a car when it's still dark and not quite sure what's going to be at the other end, you know, where I'm going, and be like, this is crazy. I'm going back to bed and not doing that. I happen to be a person who doesn't do that. I'm like, all right, let's do this.
1: You did that too. You showed up. And when I went out there,
0: you were not on your phones. You were not talking to
1: each other. You were in silence. Why? (laughs) I know it's a little. Yeah, please, if you have a
0: response, please. He was very quiet, so
1: I thought I would be respectful and stay quiet. Thank you.
0: (laughs) This is a practice place, practicing zazen. This is not a place of busyness. This is not a business. We're not trying to get things done. Our practice, especially in the morning, the noble silence—it's one of the most precious practices of a Zen practice place. In the morning, silence, until we are about to have tea and everybody says, good morning. Silence. We do say functional speech in case anybody's freaked out <laughs> and they need a word or two, quietly. Or um, if you're trying to describe like, you know, how to brush the cushions, so that it doesn't fall into, like, you know, some comic situation of miming, (laughs) speak, but speak softly. It was very disheartening for me to walk in and hear the tumult.
1: It was not the feeling of a practice place. Okay? That's we can say welcome to Madison and Grace, and I'm sorry I don't hear Maria.
0: We can say welcome to Maria, Madison, and Grace, but we're not doing it if you walk in and there's lots of noise happening. That's
1: not the way to welcome someone into silence. So, a couple of things about our practices here to, in that
0: silence, we drop out of all the thinking and all the doing and all the gauging and the concluding. Is this right? Is this wrong? Am I good? Am I bad? Do I belong? Don't I belong? Take your place. Put your hands in gashou when it's time to put your hands in show. This is what I keep meaning when I'm talking about unity. So those of you in leadership, the most important thing that you're doing is providing a container for leadership, for unity, so that uh, anybody, but particularly Madison, Maria, and Grace can enter and feel held. It's discernible what's happening here. So I'm gonna give a few instructions. This is not just for the people who are brand new, This is for those of you who've been sitting for years. And granted, it's true, we've been on Zoom. So when we're bowing, we have bells, we have each other, you have me, (laughs) you bow, bong. Put your head down, rest your head. Don't rush to get back up, put your head all the way down. Raise your palms. When the palms come down is when the clunk happens. You stand up. We stand up together. Don't rush it. Bow together, stand up together. Bow together, stand up together.
1: Let your body experience unity. We've been trying for years to put together a critical mass of a Dome on Rio to hold the forms. That's your job. Otherwise, we just succumb to busyness.
0: So the noble silence, the great noble silence, you know, in a monastery, it starts the night before, after evening zazen, and it goes through lunch. You don't speak. It's such an important part of Zen training. What that
1: means is developing trust, right here. Reconnecting with right relationship with your own body-mind, without
0: mediation, without anybody else telling you what to do. Just you and your own body, following the schedule completely. Every Sunday is like a micro-session, okay? Every Sunday is a micro-sashim. As soon as you get here, think sashim. The practice of sashim. Gathering the heart-mind is what sashin means. Once a month, we do a monthly retreat, gathering the heart-mind. It's a whole day of zazen, of silence, of just following the schedule completely. Every Sunday is a micro-sashim. It could be from the time you walk in. It could be from the time you get out of your car in the parking lot. It could be from the time you, your alarm goes off in the morning on Sundays. It could be when you fall asleep the night before. <laughs> but at any rate, as soon as you get here, it's a she Silence. And allowing the schedule and the forms to carry you.
1: So, that not just the new people, but you and all of us can be helped by Buddha. So, our practice is zazen.
0: Zazen is, you know, some ways of talking about it is it's seated meditation. It literally means. You know, in some translations, za-zen means seated meditation. Zen is a very interesting word, though. Um,
1: Zen, there's
0: one way of understanding Zen, which means nothing is excluded.
1: Nothing is outside the circle of belonging, but it's up to you to step into that circle. So, the practice of zazen is about simultaneously forgiveness, belonging,
0: and it's also about engaging, taking your place.
1: So the way we do it is, well, you just did it.
0: But well, let's make it a little bit more expressive. So it's very important to have a sense of groundedness from below, if you're sitting cross-legged. Yes, exactly, thank you, that's an example of engaging. Don't just sit here and listen to me, do it! (laughs) Thank you, Maria. So the tailbone, or the sits bones, the hips if you'd like, and the two knees if you're sitting cross-legged are your base of support. It's very helpful for the hips to be above the knees because if one of the knees is not supported that foot will fall asleep. You can also be in seiza, which is what Rob is doing. You could check that out just like that. You can also sit in a chair. We have chairs here. The point is to arrive and settle. Sometimes we say, be still. Sometimes we say, don't move. (laughs) That might feel a little bit like punishment. If you can hold in your mind, don't move with a light touch, then say, don't move to yourself. Connect it with forgiveness. Okay, don't move. Just be here in self-care,
1: self-love which of course includes everyone, this kind of self. So, it's hard to sit still, because what that means is no entertainment, no distraction.
0: So we have a couple things to keep you busy, (laughs) to engage you. It's not about things to do right, it's just about practices. To explore. One of those practices is called mudras, things to do with the hands. So in the sitting posture in Zaza, right hand is resting on the lap, the left hand is on top of that, on top of that, and the thumb tips are lightly touching. Yeah, so check it out. Notice if you're doing this, ease up.
1: Notice if you're doing this, Open up. Yeah, go well, you can check out other people's mudras.
0: Let's do a mudra survey. <laughs> uh, yeah, I remember I had an experience at San Francisco Zen Center when I first arrived. I was giving my way, seeking mind talk. And when I sat down in that space of intense concentration, I was hit with an experience of seeing 60 cosmic mudras in front of me. It was like seeing infinity, 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 infinity. For some reason, that's the word that hit me. It was so powerful. All of those beings who were there, upright, present, available for my story. I was so profoundly... Moved, I felt humbled, but I also felt more than that. I felt connected. I felt held as I was about to share my story of how I came to practice, which, for most of us, means what is my particular form of suffering or the difficult things that have happened to me in my life that prompted me to show up in a place like this, doing a practice like this. Just like both of you in the lobby being so quiet, there's a part of us that intuits, that knows the path of healing. When we come to sit, we're connecting with that part of us that knows the path of peace, the path of healing. It doesn't have to be Zen. This just happens to be an expression here in the
1: sin temple, the path of healing. So this is kind of the outer form in a way, the
0: shell or the outer container. It's like our bodies become the container. The sangha with its leadership provides a container. But as we've seen today, it's still up to each one of you to experience the container right here in your own body. So that's what this is. Now more inner,
1: I would say, the inner container is breath and posture, which
0: is still kind of an outer container for an inner expression, which is a kind of attitude of both rooting,
1: planting, anchoring, not moving, and opening, receiving, expanding, not knowing. So when we're
0: sitting, Right here, see if you can have an experience through your own body of rooting through the bottom part of your body, tailbone, hips, the buttocks, sits bones, and the lengthening up and out from that, the whole spine, the whole spine extending all the way through the head and out the crown of the head. See if you can connect with an experience, a relationship between the crown of the head and your tailbone.
1: Tailbone rooting. Yes. Crown of the head extending into the heavens. Yeah.
0: Now right here, take a breath. (laughs) And notice the tendency to hold the breath with concentration. So. The kind of concentration we're talking about here. Breath-filled concentration. So right there with that awareness of rooting through the tail, extending through the crown of the head, that's kind of lengthening this way. It's kind of an awareness of up and down, maybe the vertical. Now we want to flesh it out with our breath.
1: Take a couple deep conscious breaths. And this is the opening part,
0: the sense of expansiveness, of unlimited possibility, spaciousness. You create that with your breath.
1: So on the inhale, feel that expansiveness fully. And on the exhale, release. Let go. Don't hold on to it. Don't make it into a concept.
0: Keep it moving. Stay with it for a moment or two. On the inhale, expanding. Feel your
1: magnitude, your immensity. And on the exhale, release. Let go. Exhale completely. Don't make it into anything. I find it helpful to Feel an imaginary,
0: you can do it for yourself if you want, or feel someone else's hands behind you or one hand behind your lungs, on your back, at the back of your lungs. And on the inhale, you're breathing into
1: that hand, letting the lungs, the back of the lungs connect with that sensation. On the exhale, releasing could be a helpful image to play with, breathing into the hand. So this is what our practice is, this sasam, this rooting, opening. This kind of fearlessness of both rooting,
0: being right here, unmoving, And also the fearlessness
1: of opening, receiving. I think both are a kind of courage. This is foundationally our practice from Shakyamuni Buddha
0: and before Shakyamuni Buddha, 2,500 years ago or so. He just codified it. As Ed was telling us the other night, Ed Brown, our guest speaker, didn't begin with Shakyamuni.
1: If it had, this would just be cult worship. Shakyamuni just, you know, the historical Buddha, that guy. He just, I don't know, there's no written, things weren't written in his time. He experienced something and then was encouraged to share it with others because it helped him. And so he passed it down to, you know, I mean, he shared his practice with a bunch of people, a lot of people.
0: he transmitted it to one person,
1: Mahakashapa, his student. And Mahakashapa transmitted it to his student, and his student
0: to his student. And then in there, there were hers too, there were she's and hers. (laughs) We have both kinds of lineages.
1: It's really one lineage, but it's important to name that. And so this transmission, teacher-to-student, warm hand-to-warm hand,
0: is just this. Just what you're doing. Just right
1: now, even if you're squirming, even if you've come out of posture, maybe especially so. Just this. This, we might call it, sitting in the two truths. The unity of showing up
0: to be in Sangha, and the multiplicity of each one of us, how that looks for each one of us to show
1: up based on where we are right now in our lives. What's right? What's wrong? But I do feel the difference between humility and arrogance. Do you feel that? So a couple weeks ago, I read from
0: Branching Streams, one of the chapters we're studying this practice period, the Spiritual Source and the Branching Streams the truth of unity and the truth of multiplicity, the
1: vertical, the horizontal. The truth of, we're all innocent and we're all
0: responsible. That's one way to look at it. An enlightened person does not ignore things and does not stick to things, not even to the truth. There is no truth that is different from what each being is.
1: Each being is itself the truth. Each being is herself the truth. Each being is himself the truth. Each being is themselves the truth. An enlightened person does not ignore things and does not stick to things. Does anyone here notice you're sticking to things? Is anyone here noticing you're ignoring things? Both arise out of suffering, out of the delusion of separateness. Something to investigate. When I read this, there is no
0: truth that is different from what each being is. Each being is itself the
1: truth. I feel the respect of that statement. Each being is itself the truth. And I also feel the accountability of that. We can treat each other with respect. Truth, truth,
0: truth, truth. And how do we enact that? How do we manifest that? How do we live that truth?
1: That's what I'm calling accountability. Responsibility. Which really just means
0: trusting, connecting with the capacity to respond
1: over and over again. Sometimes we call it our impact on each other. Just noticing that, feeling the pain of it, and vowing to do better to get the feedback, to go home, oh, okay, <laughs> or no, I don't get it, or I don't agree, engage something. So this becomes a dynamic, ongoing, intimate
0: conversation between self and other. And isn't it a, rel- isn't it a relief to have these precious moments where that conversation
1: is not verbal. That all it looks like is this and this.
0: So, you know, we can talk about the simplicity of this practice and I hope you feel the, um, those in leadership, the um, vivid, um,
1: Intention to protect and uphold it. This simplicity, because of the backdrop of the complexity of our lives. Have you noticed how complex human life gets really quickly? So it's a
0: precious thing to transmit teacher to student, generation to
1: generation, something that's so simple through which we can experience unity. So what I'm getting at is uh, a couple months ago
0: now, two Sangha members were
1: invited to participate in the Branching Streams Conference. I've been in the past, you don't have
0: to be a priest to go. I thought it was a great opportunity for two members of this sangha to represent this sangha at the Branching Streams Conference and also experience other sanghas. So what Branching Streams is, is in the lineage of Suzuki Roshi, Shunryu Suzuki Roshi, who founded the San Francisco Zen Center, where I trained. Um, There are affiliate Sanghas in Suzuki Roshi's lineage, in the San Francisco Zen Center lineage, all over the world. They're formed by um, people who have practiced and trained at San Francisco Zen Center. For the most part, Those people have received Dharma transmission. For the most part, they're ordained as priests. We're ordained as priests, priests, but not always. Um, And then all these Sanghas are invited to come together every two years to check in, to be supported by San Francisco Zen Center, not financially, dharmically. And that is also a very important accountability. It's a chance for us to share what our practice is. How is it going in this
1: unfolding of the Buddha Dharma, of Shakyamuni's teachings of engaged peace? And more specifically, How is it going in this
0: unfolding evolution of Suzuki Roshi's particular teachings? Which
1: I think most foundationally are the teachings connected with beginner's mind. The mind that's open and present and available. And there's a saying, may your practice always be like this. We say that in the Jukai, in the label ordination,
0: where after you've sewn your Raksu and you've spent at least a year studying the texts and you've just received your new name and your new clothing, (laughs) your Raksu, um that you yourself sewed. And then your Dharma
1: name, which you're free to use, and some people are using your Dharma names, Maikyo and Setetsu. And you're sitting across from me in the Jukai table, and I look at your faces, and you're so
0: bright, and you're so open. Do you remember that? Do you remember the line? May your practice always be like this. Yes. <laughs> so that's Suzuki she's teaching of Beginner's Mind. It's precious. Okay, so anyway, so two people. One's on Zoom right now. Hi, Ruth. One's right here in the room. Hi, Brent. <laughs> they were the lucky individuals, or they were the sacrificial lambs. I don't know. They said yes. And my first question to them is, what made you say yes? Um, There goes Bill.
1: Bill just logged off. Just want everybody to register that. Um, I'm going to move you around a little bit.
0: (laughs) okay, so that Ruth can be part of things. And can see Brent Brent there, so that we're all together. Um, I think I need to be seen a little bit too. I don't know how this is... Yeah, okay, good. (laughs) This is relatively awkward here,
2: but we'll work with it.
0: So, um,
1: yeah, so in this transmission, in this protection, this upholding of
0: you know, a particular way, a particular path. That may sound really lofty. You know? It's your great responsibility to transmit to the other, the other branch extreme sanghas what our way is. No. All I asked you to do was just to show up, just as you do right now, <laughs> and just be present and be open and receive. And then when asked to, to share, you know, when you are at the conference to share, and so then now to share. So, um, other Sangha members wanted to hear back from you, and I certainly wanted to hear back from you. So this is an important practice here of, I'm going to say, to expound your Dharma. Just like I asked you this morning, what is your practice? That's an ongoing question. Whenever we do check-ins, whether we're in leadership meetings, we're in precept study, um, we're at tea, we're having tea together. When you speak,
1: you know, what is it for you? How is it? Without
0: having to know anything, without feeling the need to be right or to get it right, or to do it like someone else who you think knows. What is it to flow from your
1: own breast, as Ancestor, I think it was, Guifang um, said? What is your practice? What, was, what is your experience
0: of being alive? What is your experience of meditation? So in this case, what is your experience of the Branching Streams Conference? So I'm going to ask just a couple questions. And they were questions that I already um, prepped you with because I know that you were very reluctant to do this for some reason. Um, If you would be willing to share, and maybe we'll start with you, Brent. This is where it feels like a game show. Um, What is it that prompted you to say yes? When I put the call out, I didn't ask you directly, except maybe I
2: asked you, Brent, directly.
0: Mm-hmm. What was it that, that made you say yes?
3: Oh, yes, thank <laughs> you. So I did have some notes and a reading over there, but we'll just leave it over there. Um, yeah, so we were at the uh, Independence Beach uh, Wednesday night. We've been sitting there, where we were sitting there for a couple of months in the summer on uh, Independence Beach looking over the water, watching the sailboats go by in Beverly. Um, Wednesday nights, and we went for a swim afterwards uh, in the uh, E. coli-infested water. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, all well, summer they had, you know, sw- don't swim in the water, which I, didn't bother me. But anyways, we were just talking about something, I don't know, Tasahara maybe, I don't know. Uh, and that came up, and I, I don't know if I missed the email, or maybe I saw it, and thought oh, this, this you're asking other people, not me, like, uh-huh. you know, uh, some, someone else. <laughs> It's okay. the responsibility of someone else, not me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I've always wanted to go to Northern California and San Francisco, particularly long before I ever started sitting here. It's, it's uh, interesting that Ruth took a train out there, because I was looking into taking trains to San Francisco and just seeing the whole country. Um, I never did it, though. But, um, so that's really why. I just, maybe personal selfish reasons of wanting to go to Northern California. It's been a while since I touched down in California. Uh, so it's nice.
0: Okay, if, just a little follow-up question here. Yeah. So, really important that when you saw the email, you said, oh, it can't mean me. It must be other people. Yeah. It must mean other people. So, then what did you feel like to be asked
2: no, this means you?
3: Oh, yeah. In the moment, I was like, yeah, that's, that's great. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You asked me, I remember you asked me, do you want it to be like, think, take time to think about it? And I was like, let's say think about it. I don't know. For me personally, thinking about things really doesn't go over,
1: <laughs> <It>
3: taking <laughs> okay. time to think about it. It's, a, it's just a torturous thing to do. <laughs> it's okay.
1: But yeah. yeah. Thank you, Bryn. Ruth, how about you?
2: Um, maybe it was a little operonistic for me also, but I was planning to go out and visit friends or I was thinking about going out to California and visiting friends. And then I noticed that you you had mentioned somewhere that they're looking for people to go. And I thought, oh, well, that might work. But then when I talked to Joan about it, I'm going, I don't think I'm necessarily the right person to go. Um, I'm so new to practice only being here for about a year and not steeped in the dharma and i thought you know i'm always i intend to be in my head so i thought oh i i don't know if i'm the right person thinking it's i'm going to have to represent the zen center and i don't really know that much about the zen center at that point and joan pretty much said poppycock <laughs> just go, just go. And she kept reassuring me, just be yourself. So I was um, unsure, but um, things kind of worked out that I was able to do it. So I thought, okay, I guess I'm doing this. And I, I was kind of looking for, I was looking forward to it once I got settled into it, because being remote a lot, it's important for me to stay connected somehow um, to the practice place and to practice and to people, so I felt it would be an opportunity to en- en- enrich the practice and keep me anchored more fully into it.
0: Thank you, Ruth. <laughs> Wonderful. I was gonna I was gonna mention a follow up question or comment, but it, I think you just covered it. This um, when you said. You know, who me? At, you said, I didn't know Zen Center at that point. I didn't know Zen Center nor Shore that well at that point. And the question would have been somewhere around, you know, and at this point, what? <laughs> and how did that come to be? You know, back to this engagement, taking up, you know, that this is not a passive practice. What do you think is required to get to know the sense center? How do you get to know the sense center? Okay, thank you. All right, maybe Ruth, maybe the next question I'll I'll come to you, just for a little shake-up. So uh, would you be willing to share anything you experienced, if there's a, a particular moment or an event that you found impactful of the conference uh, that left an impression on
2: you Yeah. Um, my first impression was I walked in and there were more rock suits brown robes black robes I thought oh my gosh what am I doing here so the first impression was you know what could I possibly offer people who have been doing this for decades some of them many of them a lot more, um, engaged than I felt, but that was my issue. It wasn't their issue. And they, no one ever made me feel like I was less, um, less of a uh, practitioner than anybody else. And so I think what really helped the shifting was the chanting, the sitting, the chanting, because there were so many people, there were seven, you know, sixty to seventy people there. So when we chanted the refuges at the end of the day, it was glorious. It was really very, very inspiring. So I think what maybe is the most meaningful out of that experience is being with um, so many people with all decades of uh, of engagement. In the practice, and the fact that there's such a strong connection to the lineage, um, the depth of practice—it was really quite stabilizing. It felt okay. I, I'm in this. I can do this. I'm here. So I think that was um, that was very impactful for me.
0: Thank you, Ruth. <clears throat> Thank you very much. So. Being able to experience what I might, what I've been calling unity from a shared practice. Everybody doing the same thing and experiencing that unity of voice and body as a way in to belonging. Thank you, Ruth. Brent, how about you?
3: The most memorable? Is that is
0: a my question. Yeah, most impactful is there a moment or an
2: experience?
3: The experience, the moment actually was before I even left. It was the day before. This is, I'll get to the, I'll mention something about the conference. Okay. Just the, but just the before, so I was up real late the night before. We had practice here today. We had a guest teacher and I forgot that there was like going to be like a, a workshop afterwards about, <laughs> about uh, the art workshop. I had totally forgotten and I kinda of committed to doing that. So I hadn't packed, I hadn't done my laundry. I had to go to Salisbury to do my laundry with my parents. And then I got a call from Tova, Tova, who was, you know, organizing the franchise branch street saying that, oh yeah, we can't give you a ride because we don't have any room, so don't come to City Center because I was supposed to, I was supposed to go there. And then like all these things are happening and, and I'm exhausted and going through it. and then, you know, I'm yeah, you know we went through the, the uh, art conference and, or the art workshop, and I went home and I was just kind of packing my things, going up to the car to get something. And this woman's coming across the street, and like I could just tell that she was in distress, right? And she t- obviously, uh, you know, I can see spot an addict or alcoholic a mile away, and I could tell she was in distress. And for a moment, I was just like, oh, you know, you know but it's like, all right, this is, you know, I have to meet this moment, right? And, you know, and for a moment, all that stuff just kind of slipped away. I really didn't care about the conference or, you know, the fact that I'm not packed. I think everything's, you know, I'm going to, you know, I have a ticket to fly somewhere. And I'm going to get there. Like, and um, it'll all work out. And if it doesn't, just be an experience. But, you know, for that moment, I was just further really focused on responding to that. And, uh, you know, she was just, you know, she lost her cell phone. I let her call her cell phone. She was talking about getting a Dunkin' Donuts. And I was just like, It's pretty far away. I was like, I can give you a ride. And she was like, oh, I just don't have any money for you. So I gave her 10 bucks. And then went inside gave her some apples and water and just you know, i talking to her. I never brought up the fact that like, it's kind of see the marks on her hand and all that. And I just, you know, I just talked to her and, you know, she started crying. And I just told her, you know, she's ever, I just told her there's a lot of help out there if you need it. And if you ever, you know, see me around and want to talk, you know. You know, me, you know, and stop me. And then I just went about my day. And, uh, everything kind of worked out. And this lady Diane picked me up from the airport and uh, she was really nice. She's, you know, and she texted me and everything worked out. And it worked out beautifully. She picked me up. And it uh, turns out that her husband was, you know, sober 38 years in AA before he passed. And that she got in through the Zen Center up there in Mountain View um, through Talon, um, which is, you know, Support group for people that you know have alcoholics and addicts in their life, and it was through the 11th step. And so, you know, and she ended up taking me and showing me San Francisco the last day, like a marathon world wind tour, San Francisco in like the short number of hours we had. And she's like in her 70s, maybe early 80s, and and like we just had this long, exhaustive conference. And she's showing me like she grew up in San Francisco. She gave me all the spots and. In about two to three hours, I got to see you know, all the important things, and and it was really touching and beautiful. And, um, and the conference, and the, you know, the conference was great. Uh, it was an experience, right? I think the most, just like the you know, one-on-one interacting with people. Um, this one woman, she had a unique name. It was like Blythe or Something like that from uh, Richmond, Virginia. Like I, I, got up like early, like four o'clock, and drinking coffee and reading a book, and, and like the common room. And she, 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 she came in and like, two days in a row, and we just talked about life and practice and stuff like that. And it really stood up to me. You know, and there's one thing I noticed is the Abbey of San Francisco Zen Center. He yawns just as much as I do. So,
2: yeah. Which one?
3: Oh, David.
2: Dude. Really?
3: <laughs> yeah, I noticed that. Maybe it's just the context. Maybe he doesn't always do that. But then I, he also caught me like two or three times staring at him and he like, like raised his eyebrows and I'm just like startled, like, Terrified of that. But, yeah. And, uh, you know, also just sitting saws on like, like 60 people just stacked in a room with space that probably less than this like, room. In just a lot of trees and looking out at the Pacific Ocean. That's
1: pretty cool. Thank yeah.
3: okay.
0: you. So, just as we just chanted, you know, don't be fooled by those brown robes and those roxies—just human beings, just humans. As we just chanted, Buddhas and ancestors, or as we, we in the future shall be Buddhas and ancestors,
2: no different.
0: Okay, uh, maybe we. Uh, do we have time for a little bit more? I have one more question and it feels short. Uh, Maybe just one more, maybe just five more minutes. One more question. Uh, Brent, maybe starting with you again. Mm -hmm. All right. So something about, you know, bringing it back into your own practice. Uh, Because yeah, it was an investment of resources. Having both of you go, it meant that you weren't in precepts class and you weren't here practicing so it was kind of an investment <laughs> you know, not to get too corporate about it but what did you, there was a sense that this would be nourishing for your practice and this would be good for the sangha this would be nourishing for the sangha for you to be there so is there any way in which you have experienced some kind of shift or change in your perception of your own practice
1: since returning since having experienced the branching streams conference Either one of you. So, I think I started here. First time I stepped in this room was maybe a year ago, right? September, September,
3: October. Now you know what we were speaking about before the drive over. Like, I drove here. Yeah, I was sitting in the parking lot and I was just like, oh, why am I
1: here?
3: <laughs> I don't even know Jake that well. He's going to think it's weird that I'm here. Like, I almost left. And then, I mean, but I came <laughs> out the door anyways, right? And it, but since then to now, I haven't really questioned anything, right? Things have been terrifying, right? Sitting here at the beginning is terrifying in the silence. So first time I passed out the chapel, because I was so nervous, and mm. you know, or it's striking the horn, or any of these things, I'm just just fearful. Mm. Um, but I never really questioned any of it. For some reason, out there, I started questioning everything.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs>
3: you know, and just for the first time, right? like, why am I doing this? Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Maybe just feeling. I don't know. It's just one of those things. That, um, just wasn't what I expected to experience personally. Like, inwardly. um I don't know, even know the reason why. Do
2: you have a sense of what your expectation was?
1: No, I think I, I think I, would, I thought for me, I thought it was going to be different, right? <laughs> maybe the way I was going to
3: respond. But oh. no, not really. I just think it brought out some some certain things and. Maybe just aspects of, you know, just thinking about the past, the storylines that we tell ourselves. Mm. I think that just kind of brought that up to the surface. But, uh, you know, getting through it and acknowledging that, I think the biggest thing coming back was just like taking refuge in the schedule. Mm -hmm. And sitting oh, okay, now this is the next thing. This is
1: the next thing. Yeah. You know, returning to that, I just felt... Uh, that was important.
2: Thank yeah. <laughs> Anything from you, Ruth, on that? I think I touched on that before by saying that I think um, it's a sense of um, the depth of practice or the lineage or the. Um, all these people, you know, devoted for years and years and years and years and years. and, years and, years, and, and, and Um, it felt less tenuous for me now. It feels more, okay, I can do this. I can can stay. I can be steady with this. So it was a steadying influence Hmm. for me.
0: Thank you. I'm so glad. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't get scared away by all those brown robes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Thank you both so much. I appreciate it. This is good, right? This is good to hear a little bit about what your experience was. So the, the branching streams conference does happen every two years. So you have a little over a little less than two years, the rest of you, to think about it, whether or not this is something you, you might want to participate in the future. I thought that both of you <laughs> were really good represented, excellent representatives of. practice here. And both of you are studying the precepts and preparing for Jukai. So I was really, really grateful that you took the opportunity. I'm really glad that you um, got over yourselves a little bit to share a wider group. I'll be interested in checking in with you after this morning to see how it felt. Maybe what you learned a little more about this kind of confidence of just Taking your place. Again, rooting. (laughs) Rooting, expanding, and opening.
1: I think it's a pretty good way to live your life. Okay, thank you. All right, so let's, what was the word you used, Ruth? Glorious?
0: Let's see if we can make these refuges just as glorious. (laughs) We're going to stand and chant the poly refuges beginning with three-fold miles.
1: We hope you enjoyed this episode.
3: This podcast is made possible by donations from listeners like you. For more information or to donate, please go to www.zencenternorthshore.org.
1: Thank you.